Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Burrow's furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for the award-winning seating, They always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, ladies and gents. This is Arndt Eriksson, and welcome to the Marketing at Heart podcast. For those of you who have no background on me, I worked in the creative industry for more than two decades, starting off as a classic admin, then later moving into the world of social media with focus on strategy and innovation within the wonderful world of marketing. My passion and purpose is to simplify the complexity of marketing and assist to build a business of my clients. I'm also the creator of 5 Minute Friday, which is on YouTube every week with now more than a million downloads. But this podcast is all about compelling conversations with inspiring people, with their personal insight and perspective on everything connected to marketing. In this episode, we are in Cannes and talking to a guy that has worked both agency and client side in online for the past 10 years in New York, Sydney and London. An education in architecture has given him a foundation in lateral problem problem solving using role playing and design as analytical tools. He maintains an interest in design by writing regularly for design publications. In his current role at Spreadfast, he has brought together his experience across digital strategy, design solutions, and client management. I do hope you enjoy this episode with Leo Ryan. Welcome to the podcast, Leo. Um, first, as always, tell me about yourself, the elevator pitch of, <laughs> of yourself. How long is the elevator ride? <laughs> we'll make it a quick ride. Um, Ten floors. <laughs> so, I, uh, I'm the vice president of customer success at a company called Spreadfast. Hmm? So I basically look after customers of a software company. After they've bought the software, my team helps make them successful. Um, and I started as an architect. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, surprise. <laughs> so, architecture teaches you design thinking. It teaches you about uh, the user's perspective because you work based on creating an environment that suits a mm-hmm. user. Mm-hmm. Um, a family, an individual, corporate entity, whatever. So, the leap from that into Digital design and build was pretty straightforward mm. uh, because create a an environment you want a user to go through. You want them to click on something. You need to make things look like they 
want to be clicked on or look like they need to be scrolled or you know there are visual cues you give there are structural cues you give there's, there's a narrative through a building mm. there's a narrative through a website um, or a digital experience uh, and uh, yeah I've kind of made a bit of a journey over the last 20 years through digital design and build agencies to then um, a local VMA they're doing some, some social stuff for them uh, to now working on a software product that is used by social practitioners. Yeah. So it just sort of stitch together <laughs> chronologically. Architect, digital, social, and then Spreadfast. Yeah. So what type of company is Spreadfast? Uh, we are a, I guess at this point we're now a scale-up, not a startup. We're eight years old. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a VC-backed uh, business based in Austin, Texas. Um, offices in New York, Sydney, London. I run the London customer team out of... Uh, Sorry, the European customer team out of London. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's the amalgamation of three different businesses. So mm -hmm. we bought one and we merged with another. I think that has been has informed a lot of how it has grown and uh, its culture. So you're kind of bringing all those three three things together. Um, and these three things being. Uh, oh, what were they? Uh, <laughs> So one was mass relevance, which was uh, take social content and displays it out to any endpoint. Mm. Um, so sort of display. So if you see a, a social media comment on Danish radio or BBC or um, most of the American uh, news networks, that's our software capturing that and redisplaying it. So that was mass relevance, and then Shoutlet and Spreadfast were similar sorts of products. Mm. So they bought kind of a competitor in the space and, and brought that in. Mm. Um, yeah. Yep. Okay. So basically what Spreadfast is doing is kind of like harvesting data, analyzing data and kind of like also publishing on social platforms through the tool. Is that correct? Uh, so it allows you to have an understanding of the data that is out there and that you are generating. Mm. So social media is the greatest pool of unstructured data we've ever had access to mm. how do you make sense of it mm. um, what are the signals you're getting from your customers competitors uh, prospects uh, what, what, what do they want from you how do they want to buy it from you where do they want to buy what's the thing they want to buy um, what do they think the last thing they bought uh, all that information is out there but you need to be able to work out how to access it mm. so you access it and you can work out what you want to do with it so we provide a, a way of providing a structured response to that uh, with a workflow and tagging so you can see what bits of content are solving what problems for you distributes the content and then gives you back all these rich analytics mm. and so you're both using the, the data that's available but you're also generating a huge amount of data from your own content mm. and you start to understand well what's working what's not you know it's you're able to do massive multivariate analysis mm. in close to real time wow yeah and that's a, that's what i've been like Connecting that to marketing, yeah. because that actually gives you the insight and the knowledge about your own content, making sure that you actually are hitting the right targets, reaching the right people, yeah. and understanding actually how the content works. Yeah. But I'm guessing like the clients that you're dealing with is kind of the big ones. Yep. Typically, <laughs> it's a, the sweet spot for us is a, a large, complex, multinational mm. uh, organization, B2B, B2C. All, all, we're not sector specific, mm. uh, but yeah, because what, it's giving you the ability to uh, 
to do all of that, but over multiple markets and multiple networks. Mm. Um, so we've got a, um, a client who is a small real estate brand just based in the UK who uses us on Facebook and Instagram. That's probably not a great fit. No. <laughs> what you want is like Burberry, who are in 32 markets on six platforms, mm. doing you know, many campaigns um, with many teams distributed across the globe. That's ideal. Mm. I see. Um, so what, what do you see like being the potential of like how, how can you utilize this in the world of marketing in the optimal way, like based on, on what you yeah. provide as a service? So what is, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. So <laughs> I think that brands recognize that there is an enormous audience mm. on social media. Mm. Um, they recognize that there is lots of opportunities there. Mm. But which opportunities should they be taking advantage of? And when they do, what strategies work uh, against those opportunities? Mm. And unless you are you know, doing this in a s systematic way mm. and gathering the data and studying it and then optimizing against that, you're guessing. Yeah. It is remarkable the number of really large, sophisticated brands that guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, the guess work out. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean that that that's been kind of the issue. Like everyone is talking about big data and how important it is, but it's not really about the big data. It's about like how can you like trim it down to make sense of it. Yeah. And then actually start using it. Yeah. And and. Uh, what data? Yeah. Exactly. And how how is it important? Yeah. And then. On top of that, I can create something that actually will resonate with the audience. In a and I way. think if you look at uh, GDPR as being a bellwether of where we're going to go with um, access to and usage of individual personal data, mm. um, the, the, the problem of having these huge pools of data, uh, it's probably not going to go away, but brands and businesses are going to need to be far more selective about what data they ask for and what they're going to do with it, which is probably just a very good discipline for them anyway. Mm. Um, and the, the transaction that's involved in getting that data, I think consumers now are far more aware that their data is of use mm. um, and they want to know why they're going to give it to you. What's the, you know, the value exchange? Yeah, yeah. Will it make the product better? Will I be serviced better? Will I... You know, will it turn up in the right location or will it have the right level of customization that I'm after? Mm. Those are the sorts of things you need to start informing the customer about if you're going to start asking them for all this extra information. Yeah, yeah. And what about like uh, now artificial intelligence or like this automation process yeah. that happening? Voice, like voice yeah. Yeah. also being so important when it yeah. comes to marketing now. Is that also data that you can kind of like capture, harvest and... and yeah, so what machine learning and AI can do, it's a few things. I'll put it into two sort of broad buckets. Mm. Uh, one is that you've got uh, an enormous volume of uh, data. It's unstructured data. How do you uh, get insights and intelligence out of that? Um, AI can help to process that mm. um, and break it down to more actionable, you know, useful insights that you can do things with. Mm. Um, so that's... And that's just... It's across the board, all, all data will benefit from that. Specifically around social, 
Uh, and one of the largest areas that we see uh, brands really evolving in is in social care. Mm. Um, you know, if something goes wrong, your plane's delayed, your luggage is lost, your phone breaks, whatever it is, <laughs> yep. you generally tweet about it yep. or uh, post about it on uh, Instagram or Facebook as a almost first response. So that's, that's out there. It has been out there for a while. We're now seeing brands are really taking it very seriously um, and, and part of our software helps them to, to deal with that. So you've got this volume of uh, complaints, compliments, uh, advice questions, all of these issues associated with your product or service. How do you take the ones that can be answered easily and answer them easily and quickly? What can be answered by a bot? What needs to be triaged by a human? I mean, AI is a fantastic opportunity to start to scale out your care response so that you can, actually focus the human's valuable time on mm. the things that need a human rather than somebody who just wants driving instructions to the nearest store, yep. which is something a bot can easily take away and deal with. Mm. So those are kind of the two broad areas that we're seeing in the very short term. Um, you know, machine learning, it's a, you know, it, a lot of terms cover this thing, yeah. which is getting a lot smarter with data and, and how you process it. Mm. So um, being a guy that used to be in uh, on the agency side, like, how do you see, how how involved are agencies between? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Your service and the client. Do they uh, understand the whole idea, or is it more like the client is now driving? Typically, the brand buys the software. Yeah. Um, the brand will be looking for uh, systemic efficiencies. They'll be looking for. Um, it's the brand who feels the pain of things like um, brand branding consistency, where someone's using the wrong logo or the wrong assets or um, tweeting off brand or whatever they're doing that sort of stuff is felt more viscerally in the brand than it is by the agency Mm. Um, so they're the ones that are more concerned with this kind of systemic um, issue and process change agencies typically use the software but they're very driven by 
and it's how they're paid and how they think and work. It's just more campaign style. Mm. So yes, you get lots of great analytics back around each campaign, but a lot of the software is around um, smoothing processes, removing friction from processes, mm. which is not really what the agencies are concerned with. I think it'll be interesting as uh, you see consultancies who work at a um, at a broader level mm. in companies. You know, so Accenture has made a big digital play, IBM, big digital play. Um, as they start to look more at process and uh, change management around marketing, then I think that they will have a different view of our software and they probably get more involved. Mm. But at the moment, agencies are very much the end recipient of it and they use it to post a campaign and then look at the results and go, oh, okay, so that worked and that didn't respond to the analytics. Yeah, cool. Um, so here comes, uh, now we're starting to, to the more personal things. <laughs> what would you consider to be the greatest achievement in your career so far? Getting the fuck out of agencies. <laughs> really? <laughs> um, the greatest achievement in my career. Oh, so I, I started with two partners, a, um, a little consultancy business. Mm. We ran it for three years. So I started a little consultancy business uh, with two partners. We ran it for three years. Um, we all went to each other's weddings. We are still very good friends. Our children all play together. Um, we paid all our suppliers. Uh, we didn't leave any work undone. Mm. Now, we didn't float or sell or do anything exciting like that, but I think just to, to have run a small business and to have done it you know, with a degree of um, you know, honorability, mm. that's, that's actually probably, interesting when I think about it, that's probably the thing I'm proudest of. Mm. Um, and it's something I might well have another stab at. What we didn't have was a business plan. I, my, my, my tip to having a business, have a business plan. <laughs> that would be the, the missing ingredient. Okay. So what did you, what would you, thinking five years ahead, what do you, where do you think you're going to be in five years? It's an interesting question. I love the, excuse me, I love the evenness of uh, the software business. And you know, it's not perfectly even, but it's, it's nowhere near as fraught as mm. the agency business or the consultancy business. You know, it's, it's a, a SaaS subscription model is a, is, a, is a really nice, it gives you kind of a foundation to do more interesting things on top of it felt like in the agency world you're always just scrabbling towards the next campaign or the next execution or the next client. Um, you don't have time to think and breathe. So I, I like that as a, an environment to operate in. Um, it, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be doing something, I think, something in software. Mm. Um, there are so many interesting areas that still need um, work done on them. Education, there's fantastic opportunities in that. Um, I've got two small boys who are going through you know, the London school system. You see points of friction all the way through that you think, yeah, that could be done better, that could be done better. <laughs> um, you look at how we do our um, professional development. It is still very, um, it's very old fashioned, it's very reactive. Um, I think there's, there's lots of opportunities in um, how we train and uh, motivate teams. Yeah, mm. there's lots of, lots of areas. I yeah. couldn't put a finger on five minutes from now. <laughs> there are some personalities here, I'm Absolutely. sure. <laughs> Loving can. <laughs> exactly. So, 
Um, we talked a little bit about this yesterday uh, at dinner, and then you mentioned like the whole, because as you say, you're in software and you're providing service. Uh, that's your role, like making sure that people actually use the software. Absolutely. So adoption. Adoption is our yeah. number one figure. So, so explain a little bit more, like why that is so important. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I, I love the purity and, and brutality of this, the SaaS business. There are three numbers that matter: your top line sales, your renewals, and your ratio of um, software to uh, services. Mm -hmm. And you don't want your services to be over sort of 20 to 30 percent, otherwise you get valued as a consultancy, not as a software business. Mm. So, of those three numbers, the one that I can most uh, usefully impact is renewals. Mm. Do the customers resubscribe? If you can sell, you know, a million licenses to your product, but the next year everyone stops using it, that is useless. Yeah. You've got to have them continue use it, otherwise it doesn't. You don't get that lovely exponential curve. You don't get that get that growth. Yeah. So um, my team focuses on making sure that the customer understands. We draw a line between what are their business objectives and what can the software do, and make sure that, that line is really explicit, mm -hmm. and that all the integrations that need to be made uh, uh, are made to do that. That all the training that needs to be provided for the team is provided. That all the um, features and uh, product development that needs to happen, that happens um, in a way that is visible to them and is explained in the context of this is what you're trying to do as a business. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's that explicit connection between why you bought the software and what you're trying to achieve as a business. Mm -hmm. um, and if you know, each year the customer looks at the bill that comes in from us and they said, well, that helps us cut X cost or develop Y market, then let's keep buying it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's uh, it, and I think that's also something that a lot of, well, some companies forget about. Like they just, here's the software, go ahead, run with it. It works. It's the it's the best software out there. Like in a way, there there, there are two uh, industry or business challenges. One is one is that that you, I, I think the, the idea of customer success is a. I th <laughs> I thought my boss had made the title up. I've known Virginia for quite a while. I thought she had invented this term. Mm. So when I got um, to change my role on LinkedIn, the customer success, eh, don't really understand. <laughs> customer solutions, that's because I was thinking very much from a planner, yep. consultancy sort of point of view. So I, I, I became VP of customer uh, solutions. Mm. And then the guys in Austin went, oh, he's got that on his, well, we'll put that on his business card. And so then I went to this conference, which was all about customer success. And I realized, oh, it is a thing. <laughs> it's an actual thing. Lots of people do it. Um, so increasingly, SaaS businesses have a success function. Mm -hmm. uh, it's seen as a as a valued part of the business. Uh, our chief customer officer sits on uh, she's on the the e teams sits at the board level. And you're seeing more and more. It's that the value of having that in the business is um, is recognised. Mm. What is still staggering to me is the lack of uh, strategic thinking around social within businesses. Mm -hmm. And so they will have, there'll be a business objective. You can usually find it in, in their um, in the annual report. It'll be very clear what their business objective is. But if you ask what the social strategy is, mm -hmm. you can't draw a line between the two things. Yep. If, if the strategy exists, often they don't have one. Uh, or if they do, it's uh, 
get more followers, or it's just, it's, it's just a complete, yeah. it's just some sort of, some sort of fantasy objective. Mm. So there's still a lot of work to do, uh, helping brands understand, I, I think they get the potential of social, I just don't think that they understand necessarily what it takes to extract the most value out of it. And there's a, so we talk a lot about social maturity and the mm. social maturity of our, of our customers and prospects and you know, there is, there's a lot of room for growing up, mm. a lot, mm. um, which is good. Yeah, it's, it's really good. something to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, yeah. <laughs> also, uh, I read a report that said that only 3% of employees actually uh, consider themselves ambassadors of the brands they're working with. Right. Which is insane as well. Like, yeah. And it's, it's mainly because they are lacking empowerment. Yeah. And it's because they also lack the tools. Like nobody has told them what's okay and what's not okay. Yeah. And since you don't know, you don't do anything. Yeah. So I think that's also like a huge potential, just tapping into who's working for us, yeah. give them guidelines and like help us because you're gonna actually be our best ambassadors. Yeah. Because they're, they're supposed to be passionate about the brand at least. <laughs> yeah, it depends on the company you're working for and your role there, but I think that's, yeah. I think that's broadly true. Exactly. Okay, so now comes the fun part. What inspires you privately and in business, other than your parents and immediate family? <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> um, what inspires me privately? I have recently, on the last year or so, taken a much more um, kind of active interest in my own health and well-being. Mm. Um, so that has been an interesting journey and I get a lot of kind of enjoyment out of uh, and reward out of focusing on that. Uh, I'm a very keen gardener. Okay. <laughs> so, the gardening's great because you can, it gets you out of the house, gets you outside, you can see the immediate results, you can do it with children and if they don't want to actually do it with you, they can play nearby so you can kind of do child minding and, uh, and, and gardening are very compatible. Mm. Uh, you, you can have a beer while you do it. It's, you know, it's very, um, <laughs> it's, it's very satisfying in that way. Uh, I've started drawing again recently. Um, so uh, I studied architecture. Would not have done a sketch for uh, 20 years. Mm. Had a recent holiday, and I just started to do a sketch a day. Um, uh, it gave me an enormous amount of pleasure. It's actually very hard to do when you're working. Mm. Or maybe I'm making it hard. I need to kind of get back into that. <laughs> um, and then just design generally, um, bringing design thinking into um, how we help our customers with their social strategy, how we help our customers think about change management in their businesses. Um, and there's a lot more scope for that. Um, I just I get a great deal of pleasure out of you know, the built environment around me and mm. you know, well-designed products and well-designed experiences. Mm. Cool. So, what's what's your favourite word? My favourite word mm. changes. Always discovering new words. Uh, my favourite word at the moment. Oh, intersectionality. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> intersectionality. Wow. So I went okay. and saw, so my sister interviewed um, uh, the chief creative officer of uh, Wyden and Kennedy. So she's in Portland, Oregon. She's the global CCO Honey. for Wyden and Kennedy. Honey, can you bring us down? Yeah, Thank you. 
Brilliant. Please don't cut that. <laughs> <laughs> I won't. Um, and uh, they, were, they were talking about um, diversity in the workplace, um, and this woman brought up this term, intersectionality, which basically means that you, uh, a uh, working class black female person is not excluded because of any one of those things, um, and not just of those three things. There's a whole range of um, social, political, economic forces that combine. This is my God mm. understanding of it. Uh, that combine to exclude someone from the workplace. Um, oh, this is really. I, I had to Google it during the talk because I'd never heard of it. Um, I was telling my boss, uh, who's based in the States. Mm. So I saw this talk. Told her what it was about. And I said and there was this word. Oh, what was the word? And she said intersectionality. I said, how do you know this? It's the thing. It's the thing at the moment. But it's, it's, uh, I, mean, it's, it's I guess it's just recognising uh, complex systems and the, um, like the, the, the compound forces that make something occur. So if you look at you know, something as straightforward, supposedly as a marketing campaign, mm. why did I buy this T-shirt mm. or beer or whatever. Um, there's a whole variety of interesting aesthetic, political, social, economic forces at work that impact how I made that decision. I just think intersectionality is just recognizing that complexity. So it's, that is my word of the week. That's your word of the week. Okay. What's your least favorite word? Least favorite word. Oh, <laughs> I mean, it's probably a really dumb word like no, or I've just started managing a team. I haven't managed a team for a long time. I've now got a team of 20 or so, um, and they are fabulous. Mm. I love them, love them. Um, <laughs> really, really, really great people. Uh, but if I had to think of a thing I wanted them to not do, it is to just say no to things. Because, mm. you know, we're in customer success. Our job is to empower yeah. our customers to be successful, yeah. we need to get shit done. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just, and they don't, they're, they're very, very lean in, mm. as Americans would say, they're very proactive. Um, so, but I guess that's my least favorite word. Yeah. Okay, what's your favorite curse word? My favorite curse word. <laughs> it changes as well. Uh, fiddlesticks. Fiddlesticks. Fiddlesticks is a, is a good one. I can't actually swear anymore because I have children. Ah. So Fiddlesticks is probably my favourite. Uh, my youngest <laughs> thought for a while that that was a swear word. Okay. I got so good at not saying fuck and saying fiddlesticks instead <laughs> that I would see on jobs like that and say, ah, fiddlesticks. <laughs> and so Frank, the youngest, said, I can't be right. So I would then get in trouble from him and say, but daddy, that's the F word. Like, no, Frank, that is not the F word. The F word is a different word. Fiddlesticks is allowed. It, he's, he's now on board. Uh, it took a while. I see. <laughs> yeah, it took a while. Okay. Last question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fiddlesticks. Yes, come on. <laughs> uh, what person would you love to meet in life that you haven't met already? Probably an architect, I would say. Probably an architect. Um, Frank, Frank Gehry would be amazing mm. to, to, to meet. Um, 
Benzo Piano. Um, I'm thinking that they make very large buildings. It'd be interesting to. <laughs> there's. Uh, yeah, someone like that. I think so. <laughs> I think so. I. One of the things one of my lecturers said at architecture school was um, he hated going to art exhibitions. I said, why? We thought aesthetics, and he said, it's just it's so lazy. There's, mm. there's no discipline to it. So, <laughs> so I think what, what I admire about architects who can make inspirational spaces is that there are all kinds of uh, constraints to doing that. And yet, despite those constraints, and sometimes, ideally, because of those constraints, they can wind up making quite you know, inspiring, beautiful experiences for, yeah. uh, for people to exist in. Uh, I think that being able to talk to people who are at the top of that mm. particular game, that would be uh, quite exciting. All right. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Not at all. Thank you. It's been very enjoyable. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.